Hey, y'all. Pastor Emily here with another episode of Sweet Jesus. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Ice cream is sweet, but Jesus is sweeter. Uh, names are sweet, but the name of God, the name of Jesus, is far, far sweeter. That's what we're going to be talking about today. I got Brock Kane back in here, pastor of Lutheran Church of the Pines out in Waveland. Yeah, come on, bring it in. Where's the Where's the applause one? No, that's not it. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> that was appropriate, though. I could, I could go for the laugh track. That's great. Oh, oh, so well, Thank you for having me back. It's, uh, it's great to be back in here with you now that you've finally got your... Uh, your, your studio well-equipped. We've got the Keurig, and I know that's not your favorite model, but we do have coffee, and that's really, I think, what was most important. And uh, what do you got in there? Anything special? Decaf. <laughs> Decaf? <laughs> Decaf. Come on, you look like you need like a triple espresso right now. I might look like it, but yeah. <laughs> this will get the job done, I promise. So just plain decaf. Plain uh, I just decaf. I got plain water. It's uh, a little early, 10.30 for uh, ice cream, although I did have ice cream at 8 a.m. last week. What's wrong with, what's wrong with that? <sighs> I mean, it tasted great, but... You know, I don't know. You start off the day like that, and you get to 10 o'clock at night before bed, and you go, oh, you know what? I haven't had ice cream today. I'm going to have a little bit. And you go, oh, crap. I had, like, a gallon earlier this morning, but yeah. it was 8 a.m. It felt like it was three days ago. I don't know. Just compare the nutritional content of that to, you know, your average breakfast cereal or something like that, and <laughs> you'll feel much better about what you're doing, I think. Or your uh, latte or yeah frappuccino yeah. or whatever the yeah, heck you got I, at starbucks today I, I can't do that much sugar <laughs> yeah well me neither which is why i try to stay away from it early in the morning anyway squirrel <laughs> we're here to talk about the second commandment and how jesus is uh, sweet and particularly names we're looking at here uh, we've got a lot of interesting stuff you'd be surprised connected to this so i'm just going to read the second commandment and uh, the explanation out of Luther's small catechism. This is a newer edition. Mm. You can put that up in the camra there for those of you watching. Uh, same commandments. It's the same commandments. <laughs> yeah, CPH, Concordia Publishing House put this out, I don't know, a couple of years ago, not that long ago. So there's some differences, some things I'm still kind of learning, but I'm going to be using it here shortly. So... Help to familiarize with some my... good stuff in there. I, I used it for my last junior confirmation class, and um, a couple of things I wish they hadn't changed from the last edition. But um, th- there's some interesting things that they've added to every unit. So. Seemed like they've uh, tried to uh, expand a little bit, yeah, and fill it out a little bit, round more it out, yeah. and uh, provide kind of a framework for going through these things. We we did a stop with the first commandment, I don't know how many months ago, and so just a reminder, we number the commandments a little bit differently. Lutherans tend to have them numbered a little bit differently than your typical Reformed evangelical Christian in America, but actually we're kind of in line with more of a historic approach to it. And it's all the same content. Yeah. You know, regardless of your numbering system, the content is just spread out a little differently. Mm-hmm. So. That's it. So uh, you might be thinking that this is about graven images, but it's not, actually. So we lumped that in with the first. It might be. Well, yeah, maybe it is. Well, let's just talk about it. Let's get into it. So second commandment, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. What does this mean? 
We should fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, use satanic arts, lie, or deceive by his name, but call upon it in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. So, second commandment. What do you got for us, Brock? What what jumps out at you as you think about how you've taught this in the past? And well, it's it, it's interesting that you you brought up the graven images thing. You know, we we typically do tend to lump that in with the first commandment: "You shall have no other gods." And you know, we, we when we t- talk about that, when we talk about idols, you know, um, especially for the people who were hearing this commandment first. You know, they were dealing with a a world and people around them who uh, very much did uh, lend their trust and their hope towards, um, you know, what the Bible calls mute idols, you know, things made of wood or stone, something like that. So that's very relevant and poignant to the first commandment. But I think it also carries us to the second one as well. You know, I, I mentioned to you just a little bit ago when we first started talking about this, that when I approach this commandment, you shall not misuse God's name. What we're really dealing with is God's identity and God's reputation. You know, if you go through Luther's explanation, which you just read there, um, he talks about using God's name in ways that are harmful. And that's harmful to us, it's harmful to others, but it's also harmful to our relationship with God because mm-hmm. we're misrepresenting him, you know. And so his name, his image, his depiction, these are all parts of his reputation. And I think that's what this commandment is really getting at. Yeah, if I went around and told people, hey, you know, I know this guy Brock, and uh, he's like six foot eight, he can dunk. <laughs> Keep it going, man. <laughs> I'm can. not going to slow you down. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe there are things I could say that would, in theory, you'd say, "Oh, well, that maybe makes him look better." I was trying not to insult you on live uh, Facebook and YouTube feed. You know, you'd be the first. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I. Well, let's do it. No, but and then people actually meet you, and they go, "Oh, wait, that's not at all." Or they think about you in a way and, you know, want nothing to do with you because of how you have described a person to someone else, right? That misrepresentation, it affects not only how we think about the Lord, but also about how those that we represent him to, how they think about the Lord and the future of their relationship with him. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's sin... um, you know, sin, that's what we're talking about, breaking these kinds of things. There are some significant implications and how much more God's reputation over our reputation. How much more important is God in the life of people? You know, you say, you misrepresent me. That hurts me, right? And maybe it hurts people that could be blessed by me, but you misrepresent God. You mess around with God's name. You're creating the possibility of separating people from or or doing more to separate them from creating a wedge between the person in the universe that they need more than anything so yeah it's it's a it's a very heavy implication you know um 
And and there's so many different ways that we do that. That's why, you know, I brought up that, that I don't I, I do talk a lot about God's name when I teach this commandment, but I kind of expand it to the other depictions of God that we have in our society, the ways that we represent him and talk about him. Um, you know, I, I ask students a lot about what are some of the ways that you see God represented just in, in your day-to-day life and things you see or watch or read. And there's a lot of reference made to popular media, TV shows, movies, things like that. You know, we uh, everybody sort of seems to have their own take on God, and we're going to throw them all out there. Yeah. You know, what's the impact of that? How is that shaping our, our relationship or potential relationship with him? Mm. Important stuff. You know, again, it starts out, we should fear and love God. So we've talked about that, I think, mm. a little bit here, the explanation. Cursing and swearing. Yeah. What is that really about, you think? Yeah. That's... I mean, because I'm from New York, so I mean, I'm definitely <laughs> going to hell if this is... <laughs> I was stuck behind a taxi cab on Gauze Avenue on the way here this morning. Uh, God and bless if, you. If that's what this a, a commandment comes down to, I'm doomed. Um, but... You know, and I've had conversations with people about this. You know, there are people who really, um, really take this to heart, obviously, and um, kind of make a really big deal out of the language that we use in general and language that is helpful versus language that is hurtful, which, you know, Scripture is pretty clear about that and goes into that in numerous ways. Um, Cursing and swearing, you know, first of all, I think the first implication of this commandment, you know, and this is something I mentioned earlier, when we talk about the commandments, we have to try to understand them through the mindset of the first people to hear them. The people that Moses came down that mountain to share them with and what was their intended meaning there. And in that case, uh, it seems to be, it seems to refer a great deal to, again, piggybacking off the first commandment, these people in their relationship with their Lord versus other gods. Mm. You know, so invoking their God's name in a way that uh, sort of um, lent to or supported, you know, some other religious concept, you know, that that's misrepresenting God or misrepresenting who their God is. And so, you know, for us, there's the swearing... And we talk about this a lot. Um, what does it mean to swear? You know, to, to take an oath, right? Yeah, was the F word a thing back then? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and we certainly talk about why those words uh, can be hurtful and harmful. But, you know, to swear is, is to take an oath and to do so in this context um, by making yourself accountable to God on this oath. Mm. So when is that helpful and when is it hurtful? I think it's just dangerous in general. It's dangerous, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, because you, you can make a promise to God or a bargain with God and then spend your whole life trying to keep it and making yourself miserable and realizing it was a really stupid thing to do. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, cursing, using God to to curse someone else, like saying, hey, I wish God would just whatever to you. I think that's part of it. Oh, absolutely. You know, you know, I, I think, you know, in the in the hierarchy of uh, words you can't say on TV, uh, <laughs> one of the other great theologians of our time had a list of those. Um, you know, there's we, there's a lot of them we put a lot of emphasis on. But I, quite frankly, I think the absolute worst thing you could say to a person is go to hell. That's all over TV. And it's all over TV. And it, and it comes out of our mouths all the time. You know, we say it to our TVs when they stop working. <laughs> you know, um, we, we, <laughs> we, we say we, we use it. And I think this is um, I think this kind of gets at the heart of this commandment. We use it flippantly. Yeah. And this I think what this commandment is really trying to get at is the u- flippant use of God's name and the flippant use of invoking his name mm. as a curse or as an oath or something like that when that's not really what's in our hearts. Yeah. Or it is sort of what's in our hearts because we're sinful human beings, but it it turns it into something that seems unimportant, right? So mm-hmm. go to hell, go to hell, go to yeah. hell, go to hell. Well, I mean, nobody believes that that's even a thing anymore or right. wants to. And in some ways, that's probably why they do that. They're okay with that I'm because, sure yeah, true. let's just make this thing seem really, well, it, you know, just nonsensical. Right. But, I mean, if we sit back and analyze those words and if we believed it, can you imagine a worse thing to say to another human being? Yeah. I, I can't. You know, it's that's at the absolute top of the list, you know. And so this this notion of invoking God's name for our use, for our glory instead of his, mm. you know, it's going to damage our relationship with him our our relationship with others and then of course god's reputation you Mm. know how we how we represent him what we say about him and the reverse is true too not just taking the the bad stuff but the good stuff i mean jesus christ is all over the television yeah but (laughs) (laughs) you know I, i i'm not sure there are an awful lot of believers Right, and uh, this this struck me pretty pretty powerfully. I don't know about a month ago, two months ago. There's a a woman uh, who runs this the at least the local. She's the leader for the local area of Child Evangelism Fellowship. They have these things called Good News Clubs, where they are actually welcomed in many ways to the public schools. Mm. And it's an after-school thing for, like, elementary age, maybe middle school age kids. They get permission slips. They bring them snacks and whatever after school. And they, it's a Sunday school lesson of sorts. The goal, of course, is to present them with the gospel. Sure. These are not kids that have been born into a Christian family necessarily, baptized, all that stuff. Right. Uh, you know, they don't do it exactly the way Lutherans might do it. But... This she's telling me these stories, and she said, yeah, one time I had this kid after one of these talks, you know, these lessons. Mm. You mean Jesus Christ is a real person? He's not just a 
curse word or something. <laughs> and, you know, there are kids out there, there are people out there that think that that's really just all it is. And again, just like the go to hell thing, the more you just flippantly kind of do it, the less the less important it seems. The same is true with Jesus Christ. He just seems less and less of a real person of any significance. And it's around us so much. We, we, you know, we, we often are underestimating just how much of the culture around us is having an impact on us. Oh, absolutely. All the time. But the more we say the name of Jesus when it doesn't matter, the less we call upon the name of Jesus when it does. Yeah. We dilute its influence. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's interesting what you said. You know, I think so many people who are part of the, the Christian community, part of the church, um, and have been, you know, for most of their lives, um, really, I, I think many have some sort of academic notion that there are people out there who don't know who Jesus is. But I don't really think most of us really get it, mm. how many of our neighbors um, have no, you know, what do they call it, Christian memory, mm-hmm. have no, you know, uh, they don't speak this language at all yeah, and, and don't understand uh, the names and the words that we use at all. And um, and so when we do toss language around that, even language we think will be helpful if we're not doing it with others in mind and their relationship with the Lord, then we're not helping. Mm. You know, so this this I think this commandment and how we represent the Lord is just I, I don't think we can ever plumb fully plumb the depths of, of its reach. Yeah, the uh, United States is the third largest mission field in the world. Yeah. And the younger generations more and more. And when I say younger generations, I'm not talking like kids in elementary school. I'm saying there's already a younger generation that is far more post-Christian than it is Christian. Uh, Well, not even post-Christian. They're saying pre-Christian now. That's true. (laughs) We're living in a... A world that is like ready to maybe receive it because they don't even it's know completely how, new. They don't even have baggage. Yeah, yeah. Other than maybe what they see on TV. That's true. They That's don't have true. the personal. They just look at TV and go, "This is what a Christian is." Like that's kind of crazy. And of course, people are choosing the worst representations of it. Yeah, it's always Second Commandment violation. Yes, there you but, go. It's always somebody you know holding up a sign that says "God hates." fill in the blank yeah you know or um or you know reshaping the image of god to reflect our own personal agendas and whims mm-hmm. you know I, one of my uh favorite mark twainisms um mark twain he's got some good ones he's got some good ones i, I think my all-time favorite is uh God created man in his own image and mankind has been trying to repay the favor ever since ah that's a good one. It Mark is. Twain. It is. And and I think it, it has a lot of bearing on, on this commandment. Nice. So Jesus and this flippantness, right, and losing the power of it. One of the things I think that comes out in all the commandments is there's this negative, right? And I think we often quickly associate commandments and rules and, and regulations and whatever from God 
they're like, don't do this. Like mm. it's, you're not supposed to do these things. But Luther, I think, helpfully brings out in all of them, there's a positive also. There's like, it's not what you're doing wrong. It's what you're not doing. Right. And here, you know, he talks about uh, in every call upon it in every trouble, pray, praise and give thanks. And I think that is intimately connected to that thing in between there. Use satanic arts. Being down here this close to New Orleans, <laughs> I mean, you don't have to spend long in New Orleans to see sort of this, uh, I don't know what the right way to describe it is exactly, but there's, there's the opposing element. Well, right. So yeah. there's the good spiritual juju that, you know, Jesus and God and that, that we want to talk about. And then there's this other side of it. You see all the uh, tarot card readers, the palm readers. You see the voodoo shops, uh, Marie Tussaud. Yeah, it, it's sort of. And I think in many cases what those things are, are also flippant representations yeah. of another whole culture and and and. And, That's and probably side of true. Things and um, I think in most cases it is. But you're right. You do see uh, you do see more of a representation of that there in a city that has that cultural history than you do in other places. Uh, almost like it's another gimmick. It's a it's a tourist trap. It's, a, it's yeah. another money making thing. It it's, is. But there is danger in that. I would say, especially when we when we treat it as though it is meaningless yeah because it's not um did i ever tell you my spiritual warfare experience i think you did um but i think it it bears repeating (laughs) (laughs) okay well i'll try not to repeat the whole thing you can listen or watch if you want back i want to say it was like november early november maybe november 1st of 2021 I, we did a podcast. I had some Catholic folks in here. I think I actually they, they, watched that one. Yeah. Oh, you you actually watched that one. Gee, thanks. I don't listen to this show. Are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So much. I do find it hard to listen, when, especially when I'm on. You know, it's like yeah. I don't want to listen to myself talk. I hope other people do, though. <laughs> I'm sure they do. So, well, I know I know there are some that do. Uh, you know. <laughs> Whether they find it helpful or not, or whether they just like hit play and walk away is a different story. So in it was actually October, late October of last year, I, I had this weird conversation with my wife. We were doing some leadership training, pastoral leadership training, and you're supposed to kind of go through your story. And we were, they were giving us these instructions. We're making notes. I'm making notes. She's making notes. And then we're supposed to talk about it. And I'm looking at my sheet and I'm going, man, it's like, am I just being negative? It seems like there's a lot of bad stuff here. And, uh, and then my wife actually kind of looked at me and was like, no, actually, your life kind of sucked. <laughs> she didn't say it like that. <laughs> you've had a really, you've had a series of pretty tough things. Not that my, by any means I have had the worst. There are lots of people that have had far worse than me. But, you know, just seeing sort of this pattern and, and I remember at one point previously with these pastoral leadership folks that, uh, someone had said to me at some point, 
you know, have you ever considered that this may be spiritual warfare? And I just went, oh, no. I said, well, yeah, you should consider that. And then they just like kind of moved on. Like they didn't actually give you, hey, here's how you know if it's spiritual warfare. Here's how you deal with it. I think because they didn't really know, because Lutherans, we don't typically talk about this kind of stuff. The people that do seem to act like they know an awful lot more than they probably do. And just they overuse it. They, It's just very well, distasteful sometimes. And and I, I think I was taught a long time ago, especially with regard to this subject and, you know, what Luther calls here the satanic arts, that our two big dangers are fascination and to pretend as though it's not real. And I think Lutherans tend to walk a knife edge between those things and maybe sometimes lean a little too far in one direction. Yeah, I think we're more yeah. in the it's not real thing. Yeah. yeah. Or even if it is, there's no way for me to actually deal with it, so yeah. I just trust God and do my church thing. Right. I let the pastor worry about it. Yeah, and we ignore a lot that way. Yeah. So, anyway. So we uh, had that conversation and we we're thinking back to that previous comments oh maybe it's spiritual warfare and i actually texted that group of catholic friends of mine to ask them about spiritual warfare that afternoon or something and then i just kind of left it alone i don't even think i had time to look at my phone the rest of the day i had to go from this to this to this to this we had an event that night we were at this event, local clergy all kind of getting together, and uh, the SMA gala, actually. Went home, saw some of the responses that I got from the Catholic friends, and I was actually like, oh my goodness, this is good stuff. Mm. You know, like, I, and I talk about that in the other podcast about it in more detail. They bring it up, and I go to bed that night, and I have never like experienced spiritual warfare or the, a manifestation of evil like I did that night. And it, it, I mean, it was just a bizarre thing and you know, I'm sleeping, but I'm not sleeping like I'm awake and the room is very dark and it's like everything underneath my bed disappeared. It's just black nothingness under me and then fire and flames like you know kids they play this like don't touch the lava thing they jump from thing to thing well that's what it was like and it didn't become that until you know i'm like trying to get to god this person or space i i I don't remember exactly what it was initially but uh, there's this goal i'm trying to get there and I get there, but when I get there, it's like whoever it was there, like there was just like a change into Satan or some kind of demonic evil being. And then that's when the whole ground turns to kind of like lava and everything. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And then I'm thinking, okay, I need to get out of this. And what's the first thing you think of? Well, you think of the name of Jesus. And if you don't, you should. Uh and again, why it's so important not to use it flippantly. And I use it much less flippantly now because I needed it. So, but I'm trying to say Jesus and I can't say Jesus. And and there's some stuff out there that'll tell you, you know, if you're coming out of a sleep, like you can't really 
that paralysis it's, moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a moment where you know that's normal. It's nothing super spiritual or anything like that. But it wasn't just that I couldn't speak. Like I actually felt like I was being pressed into my bed, like something was on top of me, and like holding my mouth closed. Luckily, God hears mm. your thoughts. And so at some point, at least this is how it was described. After I described it in that last podcast, you know, there's a guy there who's kind of like, well, you know, you can think it and that's how you start. And then eventually you get some help and then all of a sudden now you can say it. Mm. And so you say it and then it stopped. Everything stopped. And I obviously was up for a while after that. Scared the bejesus out of me, which is, there we go, using it flippantly again breaking the second commandment scared the daylights out of me and i'm now researching spiritual warfare and from that moment and everything that i started to learn and put into practice and develop ways of regularly thinking and everything and calling upon the name of jesus and making sure we're praying out loud not just to ourselves and reading the bible in the house and in my life, saying it out loud. I did a sermon or two on it actually afterward a little bit, not so much spiritual warfare, but the name of Jesus and the the Holy Spirit and the connection with the word. And man, my, my life has just been a lot better. Mm. Like you just doesn't mean it's not hard. It just means, you know what Satan is up to and that you're just, you're on the right track, but you keep getting knocked off because Satan's messing with you. Yeah. It, when you were describing that, that experience and, you know, what you were trying to, what you were reaching for, what you, what you were trying to, to, to attain there, um, it, it makes me think that one, I think one of the devil's greatest lies that he so easily convinces us so many times is that God is out of reach, that, that you are that you're across some fiery chasm that you can't you that you can't leap that you can't bridge on your own and 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 in reality that is the truth you cannot reach it on your own but to correctly represent god mm-hmm. is to talk about how he is there and he does not leave our sides and he's never out of reach and so to understand that and to speak to him and about him in a way that uh, clarifies that and and makes that message sink in and give us some hope, that that is the correct use of God's name. And, and you're right. After you experience something like that and you get that clarity, how you use the name mm. really starts to change. You know, um, it's... Um, it's a scary thing. I, I've certainly never experienced anything, you know, like what you described there. But, you know, I've had my moments where I've had the clarity in a moment of difficulty to call on the name of Jesus. And 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 that weight is perceptibly lifted. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's in a moment of, you know, guilt or shame, uh, you know, and and all the devil's lies about you know how 
worthless I am or, you know, what a failure I am, you know, when I feel those things, you know, pressing me down, you mm-hmm. know, um, calling on the name of Jesus, you know, for help, for freedom, for my, you know, my salvation, you know, it does. It, it just takes that weight and shoves it right off. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and, and that... And that is a beautiful thing. And so how we use the name. Uh, and, and, you know, as, as you were speaking and something else that I've talked about um, with with classes and groups before, I, I did a unit in, uh, in my Sunday school class a few months ago on the Lord's Prayer, you know, something many Christians are aware of. and But really, what is happening when we speak these words and broke it down, you know, the, the different statements that are there, the petitions. But also we talked a little bit about prayer itself and how to think about it. And one of the things that I, I cautioned people is that when we when we talk to God or talk about God with uh, the hope of aid, and, and help and, and nurturing and, and all these things that God offers. We, we need to think of it as, as going to someone who loves us in a one-on-one relationship and asking for that. And I think a lot of times what winds up happening, and this is a very much a second commandment issue, is that we devise prayers that almost come across as though we're casting a spell. <laughs> I'll never forget being in a store. Um, I think it was a drugstore or something like that. And they had a, a, a rack of books by the pharmacy. And I was standing in line waiting and just perusing these books. And, and there was a lot of inspirational and spiritual books. And one of them, the title, what was it? It was something along the lines of Prayers That Work. You know, and it, it just... It really kind of opened up something in the way I think about prayer because we do. We, do, we treat it as though we're casting a spell. And that, I think, is what, baby, what Luther is getting into part of, in, in part of this explanation is that sometimes I use God's word, God's name to invoke something that helps further my agenda. Yeah. So that's like the prayer of Jabez type stuff, if you remember I don't know, probably 20 years or more ago now, that here's this special prayer mm-hmm. that if you get it right. And even we act like that with the Lord's Prayer in a oh, sense. We do. We because do. we typically do it every week. We use it on a lot of different occasions. I think it's still good to do that because sure. when you don't know what to pray, you have something to, to use, something handy. But um, I, I guess I'm, I'm a little bit, I, I would be careful with that in this sense. And it has it's directly related to the story I just shared about spiritual warfare and everything is that when you're doing battle with the enemy, there are actually specific things that at least I know I have found helpful. Now you you look at Luther's explanation here, call upon it in every trouble, pray, praise and give thanks you know, if your day is crazy, it's all falling apart. The family's at each other's throats. I mean, we got four kids, and uh, my wife and I, and they're homeschooled. So, like, we're together a lot, and it's not always rosy. 
okay <laughs> and and like actually this was i don't know if it was yesterday yeah it was yesterday so i came in like i don't know 8 30 or something and i'm trying to get everything ready for chapel we have chapel and i do chapel i got into a couple other things and i get this text from my wife that you know things aren't rosy <laughs> very poetic and diplomatic way of putting it and, and you know i rushed out a little bit because uh lately i've been trying to stay home a little bit longer in the morning so mm-hmm. that we have time at breakfast to start the day right rather than try to do uh devotions at night and part of that is because at night we used to do it at the dinner table but we're not able to eat dinner all together right now because my kids sports schedule and all that kind of stuff so we're doing it in the morning I left that morning, we, we and we didn't do it, and so I said, I'm coming home for lunch, and I went home for lunch, and we had Jesus' time, and interestingly enough, it was John 20, he shows up and says, peace be with you, and then he says it again, he breathes on them and received the Holy Spirit, and, you know, but the peace be with you, right? Mm. Like, here's Jesus, guys, Jesus just showed up, and that actually brings peace, the name of Jesus, talking about Jesus, that kind of stuff, it does do something to thwart the efforts oh, of the enemy. Yeah. But then the specifics on like the kinds of prayers, I'm not saying it's a spell. So I get exactly what you mean. Sure. But the the armor of God, when you look at that, you know, very often I've heard people talk about it and Lutherans are terrible they have awful i mean they don't know what they're talking about of course i also think that there's some on the other side of it right like they they over it's it's a legalistic sure. look at it there is something in between though and that is to say that yes it is something we all have access to because it's a gift it's the gospel it's the helmet of salvation it's you know all these the right breastplate of righteousness and all these other things we don't get those things ourselves. Jesus has won them for us. Right. But where have you failed to apply the gospel in your life? And that is where I think, you know, for me, the spiritual warfare, the armor of God became so real because I was looking, just to step back, you know, the devil only he can't really do anything he needs our help yeah so he just gets us thinking crazy and then we do something stupid that's what he does it's incredibly effective and it's incredibly effective uh but that means we are you know like we're the screw-ups right and we're listening to things so so as I, i i did some stuff on the spiritual warfare the armor of god shortly after that whole experience but like for example you know, you start getting stressed out about, hey, this isn't going well. I don't know how I'm going to pull this together. I feel like I'm not enough. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm going to be a failure. I'm going to this way. Well, what is the key to overcoming that? What is the key to avoiding Satan's efforts to make you anxious, depressed, try to do something that's ungodly in order to achieve these ends? Well, I, I come back to a lot. Second Corinthians five, twenty one. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might 
be the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. You can look at Romans 3. There's a section of that, like, I'm already righteous. I'm already enough. Not because I'm enough in, my, in and of myself, necessarily, but because Christ has made me enough. Yeah. And because in Christ, I'm enough for God, I don't need to do nothing to make any of these other people happy. I've I, uh, I spent a lot of time this year uh, coming back to Psalm 118, and I, I don't remember exactly the verses. I think it's maybe verses 6 or 7. Um, and the line, what can man do to me? If I have, if I have this, this God, this Lord, this Savior on my side who's, who's done so much for me and is, and is constantly looking out for my life and providing for me in ways I'll never understand, then all these things that I'm stressing about, all these people that I'm letting get to me uh, routinely, um, you know, what does it all amount to? And, and you can't, you can't find that apart from the gospel. There is no promise of that kind of reassurance and freedom apart from the gospel. I mean, people say stuff like, Oh, you're enough. You're the, why prove it yeah <laughs> and that's the point right like you're actually it's the least intellectual way if you if you take god out of it yeah what are you basing that on because you're I'm, not basing I, on anything i mean we're, we're all perfectly well aware you know of our failures mm-hmm. you know and our inadequacies and all of these other things that you know you can the these are the things the devil uses to accuse us you know because we're already aware of them yeah. And it, it makes his job a lot easier. Um, but uh, really and truly, if you have this, this promise of righteousness, of, uh, you know, what's our, our, our phrase, imputed righteousness, you know, it's yeah, not it's mine, sort of it's Jesus, it's given there, to you, yeah. you know. Who was it that, uh, it was a devotion I read earlier this year, and, and someone kind of called out the notion that, uh, this is a line you you hear a good bit that Jesus wipes our slate clean, and the the person who wrote this devotion pointed out that while that is kind of true, it is incomplete, and therefore kind of a dangerous idea. Because if we just say Jesus wipes my slate clean, and then we leave it at that, the problem is I'll have that sucker filled up. By lunchtime, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's just going to keep getting dirty. And so they said a better way to look at it is that Jesus takes our slate, wipes it clean, and then covers it with his own righteousness and hands it back to us. Yeah. And and I've really kind of latched on to that idea this year, you know, that, you know, this is something I knew, but I, I, I'm seeing it in my life in a new way. And so, and so yes, and, and so calling on God's name in these specific ways to address these hopes and these needs is absolutely necessary. You know, going back to what I s- said when, when when we sometimes approach prayer as, as sort of casting a spell, I guess what I meant by that was when I believe that God only responds because I get it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of you know? got that. That's why I said I, I'm with you. Yeah. I just I would be careful for folks that might not, and and that's and that's a good point because you you never want to dis, you know dissuade anyone from reaching out to God in any 
conceivable way. I think possibly my favorite verse in all of Scripture about prayer is Romans eight twenty six. The Spirit helps us in our weakness because we don't we, we have no idea what words to say really. You know, we couldn't come up with something worthy of saying to God. You know, it's all it's all groans and and mutterings and nonsense except mm-hmm. the spirit just like the spirit knew what was in your heart that you were trying to communicate to the lord when you really needed him mm-hmm. it's the same for all of us you know and and we don't have to get the words right you know it's just about reaching out to someone who loves us one of my uh, go-to prayers not because it's a spell that works <laughs> but just because well it's the name of jesus and it's when i don't know what to say it's just Jesus, 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 help me, Jesus. Yeah. That's like, there are times where I'm just like literally repeating that over and over and over again. Because I don't know what, what else to say. Pretty much what it all comes down to, doesn't it? Yeah. You know? And and maybe that makes him sort of like a spell in a sense, like Jesus calling on Jesus. But the, it's the powerful name of Jesus. Right. And, and all the more reason to not misuse it all the more reason to not use it flippantly yeah. to diminish the name of Jesus. Um, it's just, it's too important. Far too important. So. Did we really say all we needed to say? I think, I think that commandment's been explored. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it seems like it's been uh, long enough. Uh, if you would like, anybody listening, you pick up a catechism. There is an awful lot of detail in here that we didn't necessarily cover specifically, so we didn't spoil it for you. There's all kinds of things. You know, what is God's name? For what purpose did God reveal his name? How do we fear and love God and keeping the commandment? You know, there's some connections and applications and... Uh, so some some detail there that you know we didn't necessarily get into but hopefully this was helpful the name of Jesus the name of God is indeed something that we should use we should call upon in every trouble pray praise and give thanks but let's be careful of these uh, pitfalls let's not let's not make it uh, something that is just a curse word yeah you know? it's it's a precious thing and and it's God's reputation and you hold it in your hands and and that's you know that's a weighty thing but it's a gift you know yeah not not just the reputation of god in others but you're actually shaping and molding what you may unconsciously believe sure. is god's reputation so all right y'all hey brock thanks for coming back Happy and uh hopefully we get through the commandments before 2050 <laughs> i was i was i was going to say something earlier about how you know eventually on this in, in this podcast we'll uh, get to the lord's prayer and then i, I remembered where in that book it is I'm like, oh, i don't know <laughs> yeah well, I, don't know. I think we'll both be retired <laughs> by then yeah, it's entirely possible <laughs> all right y'all good to be with you hope to catch up with you real soon we'll see you bye